0: Your right hand. Do you solemnly swear to tell truth, truth, not about the truth? I sure. want the
1: truth! Why don't you answer him? Hey, this is Lee and Cooper, and this is the very first episode of Objection Your Fiction. The idea behind this podcast is we take a look at legal issues in TV and film um, fictional legal issues and talk about them um, as if they really happened, as if we needed more, more uh, legal drama to talk about, but we're uh, we're inventing and talking about it. Um, And in the wake of probably the most um, meaningful talked about series finale since I guess game of Thrones, is that fair Cooper? Yeah, I think so. Which is the, the, the succession finale, which took place a couple of weeks ago already, we thought we'd start there. And we're super happy to have with us today, um, Seth Zuckerman. Seth is a partner at Chaudhry Law, um, where his focus is representing clients in a wide variety of white collar and traditional criminal defense matters. Um, he's he's handled a number of high profile criminal defense investigations and, and trials as well. Uh, he's also a friend so um, Seth, good to, to have you here today. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. And also a succession fan, which is which is critically important for uh, this particular um, this particular episode. So we thought um, there's probably like thousands of legal issues to talk about in succession, uh, but there are a few kind of big big ones that come to mind when you think about the show. And what we thought would be fun to do would be to talk about them in the context of uh, let's pretend that. We're, we're, where we are. The the show's ended, but um, all three main characters are presumably still alive uh, and could be facing criminal prosecution or civil actions or regulatory proceedings for a wide variety of acts that they've conducted over the course of the first four seasons of the show. So we're going to take a look at a, a few of those and talk to Seth and talk internally about is there real liability here? What would that look like? What types of evidence is there? And and really, you know, what type of uh, advice we might give and Seth might give to to um, the various characters involved in the criminal and civil acts at issue. So all we wanted to start with was kind of the defining moment of, I guess, the series, um, but certainly the first season, which was uh, uh, Kendall driving... <laughs> him and uh the young waiter from was it the the uh rehearsal dinner for shiv and tom no i'm already wrong i think it was the night of their wedding oh it was the night of the wedding i thought it was before i thought it was the night before but i guess i'm wrong um so they were they were in england for for shiv and tom's wedding all the way back in season one episode nine the penultimate episode of of the first season and um Kendall, uh, I guess, wants to score some Coke. So he cozies up to a waiter. Um, The waiter starts to do drugs with him in the car. He reveals that he's actually doing ketamine. Kendall's not super happy about ketamine. He wanted cocaine. Um, So he asks the waiter to say that again. I said, "Tail as old as time. I know, the old ketamine cocaine switcheroo. Seth, you must encounter that a lot in your, uh, your job. (laughs) um so they drive off to um score the cocaine and i guess notably kendall says that he's good enough to drive so he gets behind the wheel because originally the the waiter is behind the wheel of the car um they drive off they engage in kind of a weird conversation about the waiter kidnapping kendall because of how rich kendall is and then Kendall, who doesn't, who admittedly doesn't have that much experience with stick shifts, is trying to figure something out while he's driving. I think he's also a little messed up at that point too, right? He's done some of his own, he's he's done some of his own imbibing, both alcohol and drugs, prior to the to the, the incident. Um, the uh, so while he's looking down at the stick shift, they see a deer in the road. Waiter grabs the wheel. They drive off a cliff into the water. Kendall survives. The waiter doesn't. Kendall in a pretty hilarious few minutes uh, at the beginning of the next episode, kind of similar to when, um, I don't know if you guys have seen The Sopranos, but when Tony's running away from the FBI raid and he runs through like the backwoods back to his house. It kind of reminds me of that. This is Kendall like running through the backwoods back to the hotel and he's sopping wet. He breaks the window to his hotel room and goes back in and showers and then goes back to the wedding. Um, and he leaves the, the waiter there to, to die um and then uh logan reveals that he's kind of figured it out logan's his dad reveals that he's figured it out his men found his key card at the scene uh there's another witness who saw him soaking wet um and then kendall essentially admits to his dad that he did it so this event kind of hangs over the head of kendall for the entire series really until season three when he admits it to his siblings he's never he found out about it. His dad takes it to his grave. Sorry for the spoilers, of people who haven't uh, seen the season of Succession. Um, so, and then Kendall actually, in the finale, denies having done it at all when confronted with it. But he, hit, but he did do it. And there's like a pretty meaningful amount of evidence out there about it. Um, so I guess let's start there. You know, what do you, what do you see as kind of the most uh, notable evidence that could come back to to bite? Kendall and, and what crimes are we talking about here or potential criminal liabilities? And I guess civil liabilities, because there's a kid's family out there also who um, could certainly be going after some deep pockets if they find out what
0: really happened. So I think the first thing we need to look at is how much had he been drinking and had he taken any drugs before getting in that car, right? So if you look back at that episode He's having a glass of champagne during the toast of the wedding. He's in. Oh, wow, a- you, really, you really went back, huh? That's pretty good. I did my research. I, you asked me to be on a podcast. I'm not going <laughs> to come ill prepared. Um, you know, he's in a room with Stewie talking about the alleged takeover of Waystar where he's having a beer. But their question is how intoxicated he is, because that goes to what he can be charged with. Right. Um, you know, he's talking with cousin Greg about trying to score some marijuana. It's unclear whether or not he smoked any weed that night, Um, but it's clear he's in the car with the guy. He doesn't do any of the special K that the waiter does. Um, And then he says, I'm good to drive. And they switch seats and he takes off looking for cocaine. But to me, the most important part about the incident is that the waiter actually grabs the wheel and swerves to avoid, uh, it looks like a moose, maybe a deer, um, and swerves into the pond, right? So it's actually none of Kendall's actions that cause the accident or cause the guy's death. Right. And I think also the fact that Kendall, once the accident happens, you know, he goes down twice. Um, he dives back into the water, trying to look for the guy, trying to help. And then he realizes he can't it's kind of um, like a, it's kind of like a half hearted attempt. Right? It, like it's he definitely half hearted, but it's not nothing. Yeah. It's not nothing you know so legally he'd be required to call 911 report this so at a very minimum even without the drinking and the driving um we have you know leaving the scene of an accident causing an injury and here causing death right so in new york state that would be a felony um and you have that as a minimum starting point because he didn't call the authorities at the first possible time in fact as we as you discussed Lee he's never called the authorities right um you know logan took this to his grave so that's the first thing. But the fact that the guy took the wheel uh, really goes to I don't know how anyone can prove Kendall's recklessness uh, or even intentional conduct um, You know, as his defense attorney. That would be what I'd be focused on now. We obviously have the luxury of having a camera in the car. You know, most of the cases that I handle, um, you don't have a, a camera in the car, so you don't really know what happened. But here we know that that guy took the steering wheel and he caused the the, the car to go into the pond. So this is more of a PR nightmare. That's how I would phrase it to a client uh, from, you know, from a very wealthy billionaire family than it is as much criminal liability. You know, there's po- possible vehicular manslaughter charges um, you know, depending again on how intoxicated was he, is he over a 0.18 that has legal significance in New York? Is he point over point oh eight? that also has legal significance in New York. Um, but it really just depends on where he was in his level of intoxication that night.
2: Obviously, obviously this is a TV show, but I'm, I'm just wondering what is it, you guys. Think. Is, it is, it, is it a TV show? Let's start there. Let's really take a step back how i i'm wondering how likely so if if an accident like this obviously leaving aside the fact that this is happening in in the uk but if an accident like this happens in new york state right if it if it happens somewhere on a you know an abandoned road like a a small little country road in Westchester, um and there's an accident like and and there's a car in the bottom of a of a lake like is it is it do we think it's relatively likely that someone like Kendall could have been in the car and gotten out and 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 headed home without a, a significant investigation, or do you think something like this would largely like cops would see it and say, "Oh, it's his car; he just drove in." Like, like how how detailed of an investigation do we think the the police are doing, and do we think that it that that someone could be involved in a in an accident like this and and kind of just
0: get away with it? Well, I think that the police would be doing a detailed investigation. The problem is, is, there's not much of a trail, right? It's this guy's car. He's found deceased in his own car. There's no link, you know, according to what Logan says, they found Kendall's key card, but they recovered it. You know, there's security guards for Waystar recovered it. So there's really nothing linking Kendall to it. So for all we know, they are doing a very thorough investigation. They just never get to the steps of Kendall because there's no evidence linking him to the car.
1: It's actually, it raises an interesting question about Waystar's liability here, right? Because it's their agents who go to the scene, tamper with evidence, remove evidence, work to kind of cover things up. Um, you know, there's, it feels like there's probably, um, I'm thinking, I about this now as like the, uh, the civil litigator trying to go after the deepest pockets possible. And it seems like there's some real corporate
0: liability here. Well, I think Waystar has corporate liability throughout the entire course of the show, right? Every season of the show. (laughs)
1: Every every episode,
0: there's tampering with physical evidence. There's tampering with witnesses. Um, so I, I totally agree with you, Lee, that there's total potential liability here for the company from a civil perspective. Uh, if I recall, I think that there's later on, in the in a later season, there's discussion of the boys family kind of contacting uh, the, uh, Waystar or Logan. Um, I recall that being that's something that happened, but I didn't review that.
1: Yeah, I think they I think I'm remembering this, too. I think Kendall actually meets with the family. And there's like an apology or like a like a photo op and they might give them like a like a small donation
0: or something. Um, I, re- I recall that, too. Yeah. I mean, to me, the biggest takeaway from that incident is that any prosecutor would have such a problem. And I'm a former prosecutor, just like you, Lee, would have a problem proving his intent. Right. There's clearly not an intent to kill. Right. The question is, is there recklessness that can be proven on the co- on the part of Kendall? Right. And I'm not sure that there is because we know that this guy swerved. Now, Kendall is driving and he is under the influence. Again, the question is how much. But um, his intent is something that a prosecutor would have a really hard time proving.
1: But again, like you said, that's the obvious story. Right. So if they figured out that Kendall was in the car, the obvious story is he grabbed the wheel from me. He drove it in. He was messed up. I was driving him to go get some water or something or like it's going to be the most like favorable story ever. So from a prosecution standpoint, I think we'd be, we'd be starting with, well, he fled and kept it secret for four years or however long it's been since the wedding. And that's how you can infer that the intent was that, you know, he was acting recklessly or he was, he was drunk or whatever evidence you have. Um, I feel like that would be, the starting point for a prosecution or for, for a civil litigator if they wanted to go after uh, him for his money.
2: Does – is theres is there a um, – I mean, the timelines in the show are very, very difficult to follow with all the seasons because it seems like it might have been like a year ago that this happened. It might have been like – I think we watched it like five years ago or four years ago where this actually happened, but I don't think it was actually four years ago in the timeline of the show. But um, is there – for, for something like this, like what would the statute of limitations be? Do we, do we have any say? I mean, is, again, assuming it would be in New York, like is, there, is this something that after seven years he's, he's fine or 10 years or do, do you
0: know? Generally, in most felonies in New York, it's a five-year statute, um, but it depends on the situation. Um, we'll talk about other crimes potentially on the show that have different statutes, but generally it would be five years. Obviously, for homicide in New York, there is no statute, but I don't think they would be able to make a homicide case in this case
1: interesting thing. fact i know this this actually happened in england because it happened at their mom's house ha- like their mom's estate in england I don't, we're, we're avoiding that because we don't want to get into a conversation about english uh drunk drunk driving laws but um I, I was doing a little bit of homework there's no statute limitations for um most indictable crimes in england wow. uh, so you can get prosecuted forever um if it's an indictable offense like, yeah. i would
0: guess it's very difficult but Just going back to what you said earlier, Lily, I think the problem here that Kendall would have and that I would have as his defense counsel, if that was the case, is what you what you said is like this is a pretty implausible defense. Right. A jury hears this and they're going to be like, yeah, right. Like that guy took the wheel and and, and, you know, let himself into the pond like that's, of course, going to be the defense. Obviously, again, we have the luxury of the video, but I think the prosecutor would benefit from that, meaning that a juror would be skeptical of that being the defense because they're like, no one's going to believe that, Um, that this guy took the wheel to avoid hitting a moose and they ended up in the pond and that guy died and Kendall was fine other than a scrape. So I think the prosecutor would benefit from that uh, tremendously. There are also so many witnesses. Like There are so many
1: witnesses. This this was not like uh, there's... Logan like meets with him when I went back and watched the scene where Logan confronts him. There's like, for some reason he has his new wife in the room. Um, He has some other guy in the room. I don't think we've ever seen before. We never see again. He brings Colin to the room. There's somebody else who finds the, the, the key card. Then Kendall's off telling his siblings in order to gain their sympathy to make a move on their dad. So a lot of people know about this. This isn't just, Kind of a lot over. of
2: people, a lot of people with very uh, like access to grind, right, and a lot of people who have, who are very willing to throw each other under the bus if it if it enhances their position. So, very difficult to imagine that this wouldn't come out in some capacity that no one's leaking it to, to some reporter or say telling someone else in order to you know get some leverage out of it. As they, I mean, it, it is interesting that it is kind of used as a leverage position in the final episode, right? It kind of lays dormant for most of this final season. I I remember my wife saying to me right before we watched it, she was like, I feel like the Kendall murder thing like has to come, has to come back and play some role in the end. And like it did kind of, you know, we could argue about how effective that was and how much that made sense as like the final twist, but it did come back and and was kind of used as leverage in the final scene.
1: Yeah. I think, I think um, used in like a pretty creative way, like typical of the show, they didn't use it to like have Shiv go to the police or something, used it. Totally make her move at the time. But yeah, I mean, and also like Kendall's a drug addict. He's he's clearly like going to go do drugs now that this, that that this is all falling apart for him. He's going to probably make like 14 more tearful, tearful confessions about this over the course of his life. So I don't know about you, Seth, but I would think that this is going to rear
0: its ugly head at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say that these cases are notoriously very hard to prosecute, right? I mean, this, is based, this, this situation is based off the famous Chappaquiddick incident involving uh, Senator Ted Kennedy. Right. Um, and so they're really hard to prove because no one will ever be able to prove what level of intoxication he had that night. No one will be able to prove what happened in that car. And they don't even know that he's in that car. So it's, it's you know, I, I know that he, uh, throughout the C- series, has this immense level of guilt about it. But it's ironic because he it's a really hard case for them to prove, even if they knew that he was there. It's more likely to be a civil case, as you as you mentioned earlier, since they are deep pockets and there's a case against Waystar and a case against the Roy family for wrongful death. Sure. All right. So they'll make
1: some money out of this down the road and, and he'll continue to sit sad on park benches for the rest of his life thinking about it uh, until the until the next crime that we'll get to later on. Um So, um, I think we can put a pin in that one for now, Cooper. What, uh, what else did we want to talk about?
2: Um, I guess going back, uh, a number of years, again, a number of seasons, um, we thought we would maybe just briefly chat about the, the cruises issue, um, which was, I, I believe that was mostly a big point. It came up in season one, but I think a lot of season two and season three, they were addressing it, um, and that was kind of it. Was always the looming, the looming uh, thing that was going to take out, take out the family. It was it was the end of season two, right? Where 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 Kendall throws himself, says he's going to throw himself under the bus and and assume the the fall for it, but then he throws his dad under the bus at the end. Was that season two or season three? I think
0: I think it was the end of season two. two. Yeah, and I two. Think earlier in the season is when Tom takes over in the cruise line, and then he the former uh, boss of the cruises tells him this is what happened.
2: Right, exactly. So so just to, to give kind of a, a brief synopsis, for it seems like for a number of years there was a company policy that when things went wrong, I guess one of their one of the, the lines of businesses for Waystar Royko is uh, is this cruise ship um, empire. It sounds like it's like carnival cruises or something like that. And uh, it, it sounds like any there was a number of incidents where people were murdered where people were, uh, there were sexual assaults and, and it seemed like they had a a very kind of sophisticated scheme of covering it up. I think part of it involved, like when there was an incident, they would, um, always try and return to port in another, uh, in another country. So they would not come back to the United States. They would try and go to the Caribbean or South America where there were friendly authorities. Um, and then they had, you know, they had a, a big scheme to just cover things up and to hide things. Um, so I think this, at, at, at some point in season two, it comes out that this is like a, a major PR disaster. And um, that's when uh, I, I think Tom uh, steps in and, and uh, dir- essentially directs Greg to take all these documents and to destroy all the documents. Um, so I, I believe in this, that, that later on, there's some mention that that they did resolve this, that that this was... there was a settlement with many of these people that they paid um they paid off a lot of these people to resolve this problem for a couple million dollars or something or whatever the number was but um this i think i think the issue of uh the the cover-up issue um i'm not sure that that necessarily was resolved or, or goes away so um i think there's a potential obstruction issue there's there's probably some other issues swirling around here as well but um just kind of curious again, Seth. If if cousin Greg comes to you and says, you know, I'm, I'm the the feds knocked on my door and are asking me questions about these documents, uh, what what do you say?
0: Yeah. Well, I think this is a prime example. Sometimes that the cover up is greater than the crime, right? Because. It seems like, again, a PR nightmare that the company's worried about, and it seems like a civil issue that they now are committing crimes to cover up, right? So, you know, Greg comes to me, I'm going to tell him, look, you have potential exposure for the shredding of the documents. So that's tampering with physical evidence. It's unclear whether or not he ever spoke to any of the witnesses uh, or that Tom spoke to any of the witnesses involved. Um, But there's definitely a potential obstruction. There's definitely a tampering charge uh, that they are potentially on the hook for here. Um, You know, again, if they would have left it alone, I think, yeah, it's bad PR for Waystar that they had signed NDAs and had paid off certain cruise ship customers. But I'm not sure that there was anything criminal that Waystar was responsible for at that point. It was individual civil actions that I think one of its employees had committed. And now they've made it, you know, they've opened up a whole can Uh, by shredding documents and, and, and dealing with it that way.
2: Leaving, I guess, leaving aside the fact that again, spoiler alert, Logan is no longer with us. Um, Could, would there be an instance where um, the principles of the company might be held if there was some knowledge of this um, where even, even if it was lower level employees who were, were covering things up and, you know, had a, there, was a, there was a policy, a company-wide policy where, again, like when something went wrong, they, were, they had a scheme to here's how we jump into play to, to, to kind of hide it or to prevent it from being a bigger deal. If the, if the principals knew about it, could the principals kind of have some kind of liability?
0: I mean, from a civil perspective, sure. From a criminal perspective, it's really hard. You'd have to prove that the entire entity was a criminal conspiracy or a criminal organization, um, like some type of RICO charge. And those are really hard to prove against an entity like this, you know, a publicly traded company, um, you know, so for a law enforcement body, uh, a law enforcement regulatory agency to want to even bring those charges, they need to make sure that it would stick. And so they would need very high up Cooperating witness within the company who can prove that everyone had knowledge, and here was their catch and kill plan. What about um, it? The, kind of reminds me a little bit of like the Trump conspiracy that he's charged with right now.
2: What What about the son going on national television in front of a million cameras and saying that my father had his his fingerprints all over this, and he was yeah. he was the architect of this entire policy, and he's an evil guy?
0: Again, I think it's more of a PR problem and a civil problem than it is a criminal problem. Um, it's really hard to take one of those cases um, based on what they were doing and prove that there was a criminal conspiracy because the end goal had to be criminal. The end company's goal had to be to protect them from some other crime. And I'm not sure what they would be able to prove here. You know, and of course, you know, and that goes without saying because we just talked about Kendall's issues throughout, but you know, he's not the most credible witness. He's got an ax to grind um, and he causes all these problems for his father and the company later on that I'm not sure they would want to start a criminal investigation or a criminal prosecution, just solely based on Kendall.
1: Yeah. There's there's definitely significant civil exposure, but I think, I think one of the main guys involved in this was, I think his name was Mo and he, he, I'm pretty sure he was either the director of cruises or, or a high level executive in in the cruises division. And he was continuing to do this. And they kept having NDA signed, so um, the you know the knowledge that he was doing it, continuing to keep him in that position, allowing him to continue to do it, um, aside from just the cover-up piece, I think, uh, you know, there probably is like a minimum, you know, like a a, a negligence um, action there that could be um, pretty profitable for the women who were involved Who we get to have a whole separate conversation about whether an NDA in this type of scenario is even enforceable. Yeah. Um, you know, given the, the allegations and the fact that it happened on the open seas. So there's like a maritime law component. Right.
2: I feel the, like a, a lot of these, a lot of these cruise ships too have like provisions in the contract where it's like, there's arbitration clauses saying like, if you want to handle, if you, if there's any issue, it's like arbitration in like, you know, the, some some small country like it's 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 in like Nigeria right it's like in some it's where, wherever it's like the port of there's all sorts of weird choice of
0: law things going on there too yeah if you guys remember I think they called him Mo which was short for molester he yeah. was yeah. right was his yeah. name really Mo then or was it just I was don't him? recall but I remember them saying Mo as in Mo Lester um, <laughs> I remember Tom saying that multiple times um, yeah and so I think he was the problem. Um, but again, I just I don't see it rising to the level of a criminal case against the company, certainly against him um, as an individual and certainly civil liability once the company has knowledge of it, which is pretty clear from the NDAs and everything else that happens here. Um, and I think it would be a slam dunk civil case, but I think a really hard criminal case.
1: What about Greg stuffing some of those documents down the back of his pants? Um, oh, Greg,
0: Greg is definitely on the hook for tampering, you know. And then we could get into the whole piece of whether or not, uh, you know, he's on the hook for extorting Tom, right? So in New York, there's no no law against blackmail. Blackmail is not actually a law in the New York books, but there's grand larceny by extortion, um, and there is blackmail as a misdemeanor as a federal law. Um, and it's clear he does something like that. You know, it's it's obviously very vague in what he does to Tom when he ref- references that he's got these documents that he kept and that he wants to be a part of the business. But it's unclear what exactly he gets as a result of this extortion. Um, so, again, that would, might be a tough case. But Craig, Greg definitely has some exposure there.
1: I think he moves him out of the news division. I think he wants to get out of news because he sees it as like a bad place for his career.
0: So Tom moves him out of news to something else and gives them more money yeah uh, so, so I'm not sure that that would fall under in New York like grand larceny by extortion because it actually requires um, you know it, obtaining money right so obtaining a new job is not necessarily going larceny um, right. by extortion you know that that's maybe like coercion um, which is a separate crime in New York um, and you could potentially be charged for obtaining something by by extortion um, but it, I don't know if it would be grand larceny
1: It's also like the most passive aggressive extortion of all time. He's like, I don't really know what I want to do with this, but um, maybe I should do something with it. And Tom's even confused. And then he kind of realizes Greg's just Greg's just pretty good at being like uh, passive aggressive throughout the entire series. And this is another example of that.
0: Yeah. He's so awkward when he's doing it too. Right. Like He pulls him aside in the hallway, and he's just saying these words, and he's not really sure what he's trying to say, and he's not trying to be straight out about it. And Then if you recall, in season four, the new season of the last season, they're on the deck one day burning documents together, and Greg is clearly trying to record it because he's saying it out loud, what they did, and he's trying to get Tom to admit it. I don't know if you guys remember that. But yeah, Tom never admits it. It's always the inference that Greg is trying to record him, and Tom never admits it. So that's another, you know, another thing that he's trying to do. I feel like I feel like if there was
2: any uh, large scale investigation into this family, Greg would be the first one that the feds would would go to and get to get to turn and wear a wire, and he'd be the easiest one to pick off.
0: Yeah. And then the feds would write what's called the 5K letter on his behalf to the judge saying he, For such great cooperation. We're recommending a sentence of time served. You know, we could not have proven this case without him. And, and Greg would get off scot-free and maybe we'd get a spinoff with just cousin Greg.
1: Well, now Tom's got a target on his back because he's the man. So um, maybe we should be more worried about him than Kendall. Um, speaking about Kendall, I don't want to go too deep into it. But the last kind of event that we were talking about, and again, there's probably hundreds of other similar instances of criminal or civil wrongdoing on the show. It's just that's that's the narrative engine for the show, Um, is what happened earlier this season. Um, And uh, essentially what happens is Kendall is looking for ways to scuttle the Gojo deal and... um, Basically, he he fails in convincing the board that it's not a good that it's not that it's a bad price. The board wants to move forward, so um, he tries to uh, boost the stock price for Waystar, so that um, uh, Gojo uh, Matson wants to walk away from the deal. And to do that, there's this—I don't even know how to describe what the company is. But there's a company called Living Plus. Which sounds like my parents it's live in like retirement over, homes, right? My parents it's live a in, over, in the 4, 5, retire, I
2: mean, all it is is retirement homes, and he's trying to make it seem like it's something more than that. But I think it's all retirement it is, it's homes probably, are like it's like the villages like, in Florida.
1: Yeah, it's retirement homes that like Pete Sampras might show up to and say hi, um, as uh, like B level former celebrities might show up to with like access to movies and TV, um, and. I guess Logan records like a promotional video where he says like nice things about the about the company, but not like over the top, game changing things. So Kendall is giving a presentation to the shareholders about the company, about the new venture, uh, Living Plus, and he has uh, an editor kind of begrudgingly doctor the video of Logan so that Logan is now effusive in his praise of so Living Plus. I forgot exactly what he calls it, but. It's equivalent to a game changer. And then um, Kendall on the back of that uh, hypes up Living Plus to the point where the stock shoots up and um, and that's where we're left. So um, from my vantage point as a former financial crimes prosecutor, kind of a pretty clear market manipulation um, crime. But Seth, how would you view it? And that, that one's still pretty ripe and, I, and the SEC is notoriously slow in how they move forward with investigations. So, and, and similar to SDNY, you could see this one coming back around at some point, um, given that it only happened probably like two weeks ago in the history of the show.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It, it is a pretty classic market manipulation uh, plot. The question is, how real are those numbers? Because there was definitely some back and forth within the show as to whether or not those numbers were legit and whether or not he'd have a defense that had something to do with the numbers being actual numbers that he was fed to by an auditor. Um, so I think that it's not as crystal clear to me. I mean, obviously, we know he's trying to pump the stock price so that people, they don't sell to Madsen's company um, to show that they could get a better price and they could do more and that Madsen's not paying enough. So it is a pretty classic market manipulation scheme. However it is a viable defense if the numbers are real. So I guess that, that, that was my first thought as I was watching it. And as a defense attorney, I would say, well, what kind of financial auditor can we get to back up those numbers? How do we support that? Because that would be a legitimate defense that we could put forth, either to the prosecutors or to a jury.
1: What about the fact that they doctored
0: the, the audio recording or the audio in that, in that video that he presented to shareholders? That in and of itself is not a crime. Um, you know, it's his voice, you know, people say things that, you know, they could doctor what he said. They could say, Oh, Logan said this. I'm not sure that that enough is a crime that could go to consciousness of guilt if they wanted to prove that he knew the numbers were doctored and they say, well, here's how, you know, you doctored your father's video. That might be a circumstantial evidence fact that they could use to their advantage, but I'm not sure that the doctoring alone, um, leads to any potential liability. City. What
1: about what about when the Living Plus product actually comes out and it sucks and the, the stock price plummets and now you have shareholders coming out of the woodwork saying, "Hey, I held on to this stock because of this presentation and this video, and it was fake." I guess it's more of a civil thing. Claim.
0: Yeah, I don't think that there would be a market manipulation, uh, you know, conspiracy to commit securities fraud claim. But yeah, of course, you'll have you know investors coming out of the woodworks with class action suits uh, you know, for shareholder derivative actions and and whatnot.
2: Yeah. I was going to ask that. I was also going to see whether the fact that the deal also does, does the fact that the deal goes through or if the deal were to have actually fallen apart as a result, you know, if Kendall, if Kendall's intent had actually like worked or his plan had worked. And because of this, the share price shoots up and the deal falls apart, if that makes it more likely that, that this is investigated and pursued as opposed to when the deal, the, the, the price shoots up, but the deal goes through. And does it, I feel like it's probably less likely now that anyone's going to waste their
0: time on this. That's actually a really good point, Cooper, because if you think, if you're thinking about the defenses, in addition to the numbers being legit, you could also say there's no one who was victimized here because they sell to Matson at the price that he had offered. Who lost? Who is the victim here? There's no financial loss to anybody involved if he indeed he did what he what, what we're talking about here. Um, I think that's a great point. Is how do they prove that there was anything any anyone lost any money as a result of this scheme that Kendall put forth? Again,
1: I think I think the exposure probably is if I'm if I'm a um, you know a hedge fund manager or hedge. Hedge fund guy, and I invest a bunch of my clients' money into Waystar based on this presentation, and um, the stock plummets when the when the product comes out. That's where I think the exposure
0: might be. You know, um, I, I agree completely, but again, that's a civil issue, and that doesn't happen right because of the the deal that goes through at the end of the season. Right, so it, it's a hypothetical issue that doesn't come to fruition you
1: also typically see market market manipulation usually is in connection with like a pump and dump scheme and there was no real intent to dump here there was intent actually to keep it was a pump and it was a pump and hold scheme yeah. it's a pretty uh rare scheme
0: I mean, I was involved in a case that had market manipulation a couple of years ago and it was to pump up in order to sell, right? Um, you know, and so that happens all the time. You're right that this is a little bit more unique in the sense that he was trying to, to pump up the, sell the share price so that he didn't have to sell. But I'm not sure that the government would care what the end game was. Right. If they were able to prove that he was manipulating the market and that there is financial losses to somebody, I'm sure they would go after him. Um, regardless of, 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 of whether that happened or not.
1: You know that if SDNY found out that that video was doctored by Kendall, they'd find an angle to go after Waystar for what happened.
0: If they'd find something. But you have to remember, I mean, SDNY often goes after individual wrongdoers more frequently than they going after companies, right? So they would want to go after Kendall, right? Because this is his video. This is his presentation. You know, he's an easy target. But again, I don't think that there's any exposure alone based on that. But again, I think it would be great evidence um, to use to show consciousness of guilt, to show that he knew he was you know, inflating the stock price. And here's how, you knew, uh, here's how he knew. Here's how, right. here's how we prove his intent. Because not only did he, did, he, did he fudge the numbers, but he also doctored this video of his father in order to do that. So it's like a multi-pronged effort by him in order to pump up the stock price.
1: I can't imagine that that sad sack video editor didn't sell his story to Vanity Fair in 5 minutes after the sale went through. It's such a sexy story and he was right there in the front
2: lines of it. The so world, he definitely the world of like video video editing and manipulation now. I feel like it's like like 5 years ago that would have seemed like a much bigger deal to me than now where like now every video is you just, you know, half the stuff you see on Twitter scrolling through you're like, is that real? Is that not real? You know, it's it's like I feel like you, you kind of have to we're, we're definitely going to see more and more of that, how companies using it and, you know, politicians are definitely going to start using it to fake what other people are saying. And whether it's directed by the actual principle of the campaign, probably unlikely, but you're going to have like, you know, that type of stuff. We're going to start seeing that all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has to be skeptical of videos and audios they receive nowadays in any case, right? How do you know that it's legit and hasn't been doctored? Um, you know It's so easily done, as you were saying. Oh, yeah. You don't have to be that good at it to do a good job at it. You used to be you needed to be like a master at it right. now. Yeah. So it's like in evidence in all of our cases, you have to be yeah. careful what you're what you're relying upon.
2: So what are the? What are, Lee keeps saying that there's thousands of other legal issues that are swirling around in this case, and and I, I was sitting here thinking about it, and like those are, the, I think these are the three biggest ones. But are there? Are, I mean, we don't need to get into the weeds of them, but are there other big ones that were are missing that that are you know are, does ship have any liability that we haven't thought about, or if Logan were still alive, are there are there other issues that were swirling around in the show? I mean, I'm sure these people are all corrupt individuals who have done other things, but just, just from major plot points of the show, were there, were there any other big ones?
0: I think at the end, the whole thing regarding Madsen's company and inflating his numbers is an interesting one. They never really got into it, um, but that would be a classic white collar scheme, right? Is that he's inflating his numbers, his subscribers in other countries to inflate his own stock price. To enable him to now inquire Waystar, um, that would be something that all the regulators would be looking at. Um,
2: Roman, 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 and the wrongful, the wrongful termination of the the executive potentially and definitely Jerry. Jerry would definitely. I, there is some mention that Jerry's case was resolved, but it's definitely an employment case against Roman. Oh, um, for sure. The, the I mean, amount of civil
0: cases
1: is through the roof, right? I mean, you, you, you can't walk into a restaurant, and get mad at the CEO of your films division, and and fire her on the spot.
0: That's, that I thought I thought you could just do that. Yeah,
2: I mean, I guess you could do
0: that, right? <laughs> when you're so, a billionaire, you could do whatever you want, right? I mean, <laughs> and I think that's the whole premise of the show. Right? There's nothing
2: stopping him from firing firing Jerry too, right? There's nothing stopping him from doing that except that he sent her copious amounts of dick pictures, which I think is what. What would probably come back to haunt him in that situation?
0: Well, he did try to fire her at the end.
2: Yeah, he did fire her, didn't he? Well, that, I think that, that was unclear. Yeah, I think I
1: think she got He's paid. Still out. there. It was kind of like a throwaway reference when they like sh- when they shuffle her in in the last episode that she's like signing the documents to get to get like paid off. I'm guessing the lawyers figured out before they closed the deal, the lawyers figured out like what where are our liabilities? Let's take care of them before we before we sell or before we acquire. I'm guessing that was one of them.
0: It's interesting. Yeah. Most companies want to pass off their liabilities to the successor co- corporation, So it really depends. I guess it depends on what did the new company know about their potential liabilities moving forward. These guys talk so much. Roman and, and Ken are just, yeah. are just
1: ramen mouths.
0: Yeah. Which I mean, but I, again, this all goes back to civil issues that I think the company has. In terms of criminal, I think we really hit the big ones. And then the potential investigation into Matson is the only other one I could really think of.
1: What about the um, the anything with like the election, um, the way they reported the news that night? Again, I guess, again, that's there's some parallels to what happened with Fox. Maybe there would be lawsuits surrounding what happened in Wisconsin. I don't know if it goes beyond that.
0: Yeah, I think it would just be more civil lawsuits, kind of similar to what's been going on against Fox and some of the other uh, networks that prematurely called it. And then the election. Um, issues that happened, you know, following 2020.
1: What about if Ken successfully ripped Roman's eyeballs out at the end of the episode? Do you think there would
0: have been some exposure there? Well, yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's potential assault claims <laughs> that, um, that, w- that would, that would
1: happen. Were, you Oberyn Martell him at the end of the episode.
0: Yeah. I mean, it would be interesting because he already had that laceration on his eye, right. From when he got involved in the pro- when he was walking through the protest. Uh, it'd be interesting to, you know, the issue being whether or not he actually caused the injury to be worse cause the injury to begin with. Um, th- there was some weird stuff happening during that hug.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, was, I, I was kind of trying to understand what they were trying to do there. Like what the, what the larger symbolism and meaning of him, like kind of like breaking the stitches there. And there was something going on there that I yeah, quite did. want him to do
0: it. Yeah. Did he want, like did, there was something off
2: there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I hug everybody. I dig into existing lacerations and try to make them worse. That's, that's, what I typically do during my hugging. Wouldn't surprise me.
2: <laughs> well, this was fun. What other, what other shows are we going to try and unpack in the same way?
1: You have to, you have to pay attention to the weeks ahead, but hopefully Seth will have you back to talk about, um, there's always criminal issues in every show. Like I, on there's one show where there's not, uh, criminal issues that are worth talking about and unpacking. And this is kind of fun because these are, these are usually glossed over. And when there are, Um, investigations or trials that relate to criminal or civil matters. They're usually done in like a pretty sloppy, quick fashion. So love to have you back and talk more about it. And we appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us today.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on and I'm happy to join whenever you extend the invite.
1: Okay. It's it's an open
0: invite. Thanks guys. For more on all things real estate and the law, subscribe
1: to this and our other podcasts. Follow Bergstein, Flynn, Knowlton, and Polina on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter and go to bfklawoffice.com. That's bfklawoffice.com to learn more.